Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, it doesn't matter where you are right now. We're going to take a moment and we're going to just celebrate the goodness of God, which means you're going to applaud. You're going to say, yay, God, I don't care if you're online, 12 stone home, a campus live. I don't care if you got caught up in it, but God is good. God is amazing. God deserves our praise. I didn't even tell you to do it yet, but you were ready. So now I'm going to say on the count of three, we're just going to celebrate the goodness of God. One, two, three. Yeah. How good is God? How good you are, oh God. How good you are, oh God. See, otherwise you start thinking this is a presentation. I'm going to see whether or not I got something to teach. I do. <laughs> Maybe God has something to say. Welcome back to school. <laughs> Whew. Back for some of you, this is a day you have been waiting for. Now, back to school is an awesome thing because finally the kids leave. That's what makes back to school so good. Now, it's personal in our home, not direct, because we're be, we're, we've become empty nesters. But even for my granddaughter, our first grandchild is going to school. And I wanted you to see her picture because Papa's got to brag. This is my granddaughter, Breland. She's absolutely adorable. My firstborn, Josh, with his daughter, sending her to kindergarten. This, of course, is her younger brother, Brayden, and she taught him how to do the cross-eyed silly face. You can't get a good picture. You just roll your eyes like it's fantastic. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that fun? Kids are going back to school. Some of you moms, how good does it feel? Woo! Glory to God. That's the most spiritual moment you've had. Sanity might return. We might not be all done with the implications of COVID, but they're at school. And it begs a question for all of us. I think, I think it stirs a question. When we send our kids back to school, here's the question for the rest of us. What do you need to get back to? Oh, come on. Let, let's, let's ask the question. What do you need to get back to? In fact, say it loud and proud to your neighbor because I want to make sure everybody's hearing it. So I don't care where you are, 12 stone home, you're, or if you're just sitting with a, with a couple people in your, in your family or some friends, I don't know, if you're at a campus life, I want you to say it's loud and proud. Here's the question of the day. Say it to your neighbor. Ask them so they get it. You ready? Everybody say it with me. What is it? What do you need to get back to? Come on. What do you need to get back to? God's going to stir something in you today and this matters. Maybe you need to get back to, a, for you, a hobby, some, something that gives you oxygen and breath and balance. Now maybe, I shouldn't say it, but maybe you need to get back to eating healthy. That's mean. Who <laughs> wants to think about that? Well, maybe you, need to get, maybe you need to get back to a goal, and, and you've just got distracted or you procrastinated. Maybe there's a project that's important. You know, maybe, maybe it runs deeper. Maybe you need to get back to a responsible budget. Hey, maybe you need to get back to worship in person. You know, well, God uses and has used uh, online. Maybe you need to get back to a campus. 
Maybe even as I say it, you kind of know, all right, that's it. Next week, I'm getting back to a live campus or to a 12-stone home. But, but online, some of you are spiritually unresolved. You're listening in. God's drawing you. He's teaching you. That's great. That's awesome. But if you're near one of the campuses, you have a sense, ah, I should be getting back. We'll just make decisions. See, the faith doesn't work when you figure out how to fit God into your busy life. You make God the center, and then you fit life around God. Come on now. Come on now. Let's, let's go after the things that matter most. When faith isn't working for you, it's usually because you're trying to fit God in. Faith only works when he's the center. What do you need to get back to? Hey, maybe you need to get back to the priority of praying. Maybe, maybe you need to get back to honoring God with first fruits. Maybe you need to get back to a friendship that got messed up during COVID. But that's where we're going today. We're going to get back to some things. And the reason we're on this conversation is this isn't where we were going uh, today. It, we have a series that's now starting next week. And why, why is it starting next week instead of this week? Uh, I sat with the team last Monday back from um, a break, you know, study break and some of those things, a little vacation. And, and I said, hey, here's where we're going. Fired up about it. All, all excited about where God's going to take us. And, and the team asked in the middle of that, they said, would you, would you be willing to postpone that a week? Would you just a bit more, I know it's where you're not prepared for this, but would you just tell us maybe a couple things God's stirring in you and what you wish we would get back to? What do you think God's saying? Man, that seemed good to me. It seemed pleasing to the Holy Spirit. So yes, I said, I'm in. So this started getting written on Wednesday and I, I wrote the last bit of it last night. It's a little bit fresh. It's a little bit raw. It's a little bit uh, maybe not as presentational, but I think God's in it. Can you, can you receive that? Can we, can we go do that? So let me just tell you where I've been. Let me tell you what God's been doing in me. And, and, and I've been sitting in the book of Philippians. So uh, grab your Bibles. Now watch this. Watch this. We have worship center Bibles at all the campuses. Finally, grab a Bible. Pull it out. We're going to go to the book of Philippians. It's on page 1178. Now, if you're, if you're listening online, if you're in a 12-stone home, grab a Bible. If not, grab your phone. Get the U version, the Bible app. Go to the book of Philippians, chapter one. If you have a worship center Bible here at any of the campuses live, it's page 1178. Hey, if you don't have a Bible of your own, on the way out, go to guest services. We'll give you a Bible. Get in God's word. It'll transform your life. Now, here's the setup. We, we ended with the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 28, Paul is in prison. And, and when Paul's in prison, it kind of ends with this cliffhanger. If you want to know what's next, actually, while he was in Rome in prison for the next couple of years, he wrote four of the books in the New Testament. Philippians is one of them. So you could literally go to Philippians and say, oh, that's what happens next. He wrote Ephesians. He wrote Philemon. He wrote Colossians. But I've been sitting in Philippians personally, and God's been using this over the summer to say to me things I need to get back to, and probably things we all need to get back to. Maybe I'll share just a little bit of some stuff God has been stirring in me personally. So here we are. We're going to sit in Philippians. In fact, I think what I'll do is I'll just, I'll just set it up this way, and then we'll jump into the passage. Paul is in prison. Now, Paul should have been enjoying his freedom. Paul should have been experiencing uh, just kind of time with his friends and all the plans he had made coming together. Paul should have been enjoying strengthening the churches and traveling around. Paul should have been enjoying planting new churches. But he was in prison because of the lies of a group of people that had an agenda because the evil one is always doing his work and shutting Paul down. And here he is in prison and and there's, 
Here's the first thing God has stirred in me over the summer, and maybe, maybe it'll help you. Let me, just, let me just put it up here, and then we'll read. Embrace where God has you. Jot it down. Embrace where God has you. Say it to yourself. Embrace where God has me. Here's why. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. In other words, we're part of big stuff. We're on mission. So he's, I thank God. This here's a thankful heart. I'm joyously praying for you. By the way, remember he's in prison. He's in where? I mean, he's writing like he's on vacation. He's in prison because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day till now. Look at verse Look at verse six, being confident of this. Listen, everyone, being confident of this, of what? That he, God, who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, that God has begun a good work and he's going to finish that work. Let me, here's, I can't sit down. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I started something in you over here. I started this. I spiritually woke you up. I started working in you. And, and then, and the journey, what Paul says is you have huge confidence that he who began is going to complete. He's going to what? That, that was pathetic, really. This, what I was saying was powerful. What you need to say is like complete with passion. Okay, you go with me. He, he's going to complete. He's going to what? That's right. Man, he's, he's going to complete. You know what that means? God is intimately working in you wherever you are. And maybe you need to get back to the present because that's where God's working right now. Oh, see, dude, don't, don't be living in the past or just living for the future. Embrace where God has you right now. Paul's saying, because this is where God is working in you and through you. Hey, we can all be tempted, can't we? Can't, can't we all? I can be tempted. I got times where I'm just, I want to go pre-COVID. I want to go before the hostilities and the division and the health issues and all. I, I, just, I want to go back. You could do wishful thinking. Or I, I just turned 60. I'm getting close. I look forward to retirement. Five years. Freedom. No more pressure. Let someone else. You, listen, listen, whatever stage or age of life you're in, you could look back and try and live in the past or live in the future. And he say, embrace where God has you now. Maybe you need to get back to the present because the present is where God is working in you and through you. Can I get an amen? amen. Let, let, let me put it like this. God, I, you've, you're tired of hearing that I turned 60, but you don't know that that was a really big deal in this sense. I had no intentions of saying anything. I wasn't going to say it. I didn't even care. I'm not even sure I loved it. Didn't matter. I'm just like, God, I'm going to turn 60. I don't want to party. I, I don't want to party. I don't want to talk about it. I'm not going to say anything on the weekends. I'm just going to quietly let it happen. Who cares? What's a number? I'm going into my fourth quarter quietly. And then God's like, what is wrong with you? Embrace where you are. Throw a party for all the old people because old is awesome. Middle age is awesome. Young is awesome. Everything is awesome. Embrace where you are. God's working in the present. So, be, so I ended up throwing a party for old people. We had a great time. 
I, I, I embrace it. We are on a, our family, Marsha and I, and then uh, Jake, our 26-year-old, went with us, and, and, and Jaden, who just graduated from high school, he went, went to Arizona. We stopped at this cheesy, wasn't it, guys? I mean, it was a cheesy mining town, just this cheesy little mining town, and it had a cheesy little mining tour, and we were going to pay our little seven bucks and mock them. I mean, that's just, we're going to have some fun. And it's like, I don't know, seven bucks each. And on the sign, it said 60 plus dollar off. <laughs> like, you know, my family's going to egg me on. I do it, do it, do it. And I'm like, I'm embracing it. I'm embracing it. I said, hey, I just had my birthday. I turned 60. I get a buck off, right? And this 20-something just looks at me. You get a buck off. And she starts doing it. I said, don't, don't you want to see my license? She says, oh, no, I believe you. Like, that's why people don't ask for money off. Just, I, next time I'm going to pay my buck. I don't care. I don't need that. Just embrace. Listen, you can be in high school and messing up your life because you're wishing for pre-COVID. You're wishing for middle school, maybe when something was better. Or you're looking forward to college and you're not living in the present. You could have little kids and think, oh, my goodness. I remember when I didn't have them. That was awesome. I can't wait till... I'm empty nester and forget how to live in the present. Let me say it this way. Church, God has this church right here, right now in this territory to accomplish his purpose at whatever age and stage we are in the midst of COVID, post-COVID transitioning right here and now. And he's working in us and through us, and he will complete the work of his purposes among us. Amen. We got to be, we got to embrace the present. Okay, there's the first one. Embrace, embrace the present. You just get a sense of the stuff God's stirring. Maybe you need to get back to the present. Here's the second one. Here we go. Put it up on there so we can all see it together. Get back to inviting spiritually lost people to Jesus. Get back to inviting. Back to inviting. Back to what? Inviting. Back to inviting. We, we, we care about. We have passion for. We want to invite people to come to faith in Jesus. Listen, what, I don't know what you're doing in your life, but what else matters except to have someone come to faith in Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, what really matters in your life? At the end of your life, it all accumulates. What actually mattered? If you didn't know Jesus, where are you spending eternity? And those of us who know him, well, we got to fire a heart of passion. But you know what? COVID has a way of taking us off mission. Go back. You got Philippians. You still sitting there? Look at chapter 1, verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Check that out. It's actually served to advance the gospel. Listen, the evil one would say, hey, I'm winning. I got Paul in prison. He's not, he's not planting churches. He's not advancing the gospel. He's lost his freedom. In fact, in fact, there are things that shut you down and seem to distract you from purpose and plan. COVID has a way of doing that for all of us in all areas of life. And you can feel like, well, man, maybe God just isn't building and the kingdom isn't winning. And Paul's right in say, hey, by the way, you know, back here I had these amazing plans, but guess what? God's working all things together for good. God's going to complete his plan, and I'm in prison. And guess what God's doing? He's using it to advance the gospel. There are people in Caesar's palace who are coming to faith in Jesus. I mean, it's running down the halls, and people are coming to Jesus. In other words, I thought I'd be planting a church over there, going over there, having all kinds of fun. But guess what? Guess what? God intended me to reach people for Jesus right where he placed me here and now. And it's serving to advance 
the gospel. So I wrote in my notes, God is building and winning things for his kingdom. And since all of this got written uh, really recent and finished at about 10, 11, because I looked at the clock last night, 10, 11 last night, and I wrote out and collected and talked to some campus pastors and staff and leaders and volunteers. I'm like, you know what? We don't do this very often and we need to. I just want to remind you that God is building and winning things for his kingdom. Can I say several things and just let it accumulate? Yeah. Okay. I felt it. Ready? Let me just go through them. Student pastors told me this summer camp reached the most students this year than we have for several years. Might be the biggest year of reach. Not, not just COVID. This is post-COVID. And for years, the most students we ever reached this past summer. See, God is building and winning things for his kingdom. That's one. Here's another. Saturday prayer time. Yesterday, as we were praying at 8 o'clock, campus pastor from Boston, Matt, he was praying, and as he was praying, it just it captivated me. He said, and Lord, I thank you for listening to the dozens of students who have been baptized in just the last few months, just at that one campus, dozens of students who've been baptized. God is building and winning things for his kingdom. Hey, God's used and is using online church, which has, just you might not know this, quadrupled from the start of COVID. So the people we're reaching has quadrupled since the start of COVID online. And people coming to faith online, who would have thought God is building and winning things for his kingdom? Let me keep going. Thank God he is using it and is using it, but many are getting back to their campus and back to community. And so God's going to stir that in many of you. And you're not going to go to, to, to a 12-stone home, which 12-stone online has been used for many people to go to 12-stone home. It's awesome. But now it's a path back to campus. And at the, at the Gwinnett Chamber dinner, I talked to several 12-stoners there, among others in the community, and one of them just fired me up, which one couple said, listen, we are back to our campus. We are back to serving. We got coffee back in the lobby. We got Bibles back in the seats. And we have our friends coming back to worship. We are fired up. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's God building winning things for his kingdom. Here's another example. Sugarloaf Campus right here. We are launching the 11 o'clock service next weekend with the new series in Back to School. That's the next happening. I'm not done. 12 stone. We, you have planted two churches during COVID in Alabama and Colorado, and they are reaching hundreds of people for Christ already. Hang on. Pre-COVID, they didn't exist. Now, two churches, hundreds of people being served in the kingdom. Come on. God is building and winning things for his kingdom. We have 25 full-time career ministry residents here who we are training as next generation kingdom leaders. God is building and winning things for his kingdom. Here's one man, 12 stoner, who is local, decided, man, I'm not going back to church because of COVID yet. This was a few months ago. And he said, I've got to do something for Christ. Listen, spirit of God messes with him. He says, I'm just going to do it in my neighborhood. I don't know how I'm going to pull this off. Starts inviting friends neighbors starts drawing them, impacting them by the dozens, and people came to faith in Christ in the neighborhood before they've ever come to a physical campus. Come on. God is building his church, and he's winning in his kingdom. 
Here, let me, a campus pastor was telling me this story. Holly is on fire for Christ. She's jumping in to growth track and inviting others. Stop. Got to get the whole story. Back it up. Here's the whole story. A friend of hers, I'll call her Heather. Heather, almost five years ago, sensed the stirring of the Holy Spirit to pray for Holly. She began to pray for Holly and then took opportunity to finally invite Holly. She invited Holly. Holly said no. She invited her again later. Holly said no. She invited her again later. Holly said no. In fact, over four plus years, she kept inviting Holly. Holly said no, 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 no. Heather never stopped. God never stopped. Holly kept stopping until finally she said yes. She came here this past spring. She began to come more regularly. We get to open baptism. She surrenders her life to Christ. She gets baptized. Now she's in growth track. Now she's inviting somebody else. Listen, God is building his church and the kingdom is winning. Amen. This is good stuff, but I'm not done. I'm not done. Tulsa Online is nearly quadrupled in COVID. Uh, it's opened doors to Tulsa Home, uh, not just locally, but across state. So let me tell you this. In Spokane, Washington, who knew? How would this happen? By the way, when we plant 12 stone home. We don't just like, hey, we start a group. We, we actually do training and equipping and give materials and packages. So I just, church, let's, let's just enjoy this. Spokane, Washington, guy named John in Spokane started a 12 stone home group in his neighborhood on Sundays, is probably watching right now. So everybody, loud and proud, wherever you are, say, hey, John. One, two, three. Hope you're listening, John. This is awesome. Hey, God, hey, God, we're not done. That spread to a gal named Lynn starting a second group in Spokane. So count three. Everybody say, hey, Lynn. One, two, three. Lynn even did a block party as a way of connecting with people as a first step toward, you know, kind of encouraging them to 12 stone uh, home group. And then she wrote us an email. Here's what she wrote. My block party was a huge success. 30 people, 30 people of her neighbors came. Everyone engaged. Thank you so much for equipping me and so many others the way that you do so that we can love our neighbors extravagantly. That kind of love changes people and tears walls down. Today changed me. And I'm so grateful to partner with you. Listen to her next line. I'm so grateful for COVID. I've never read that. What? I'm so grateful for COVID because I love sharing Jesus in my home. And you guys have given me tangible tools that people receive. You guys are reaching hearts for Jesus. Thank you. Signed, Lynn. And a third 12-stone home is starting in Spokane. Come on, church. God is building and winning things for his kingdom, isn't he? That's so cool. Let me give you this. We are socially compassionate. This is my second to the last one. You know, thousands of 12-stoners volunteer and work in areas. And I just summarize some of them. Uh, you, you serve all over, but from local food banks to serving kids in need to teaching kids to read to turning around child sex trafficking in Atlanta. If you, I don't know if you know the size and scope of what we're a part of and what we help launch and what God is doing, but it is profound in, in the whole child sex trafficking and what God is doing. It's starting to go out to cities and we, they're reasonably it's going to go across the country. It's profound. We're caring for those who are battling homelessness and there's major movements going on and we're a part of it and investing and you're a part of it and we're serving together. Internationally, we are helping to serve those who are facing extreme poverty and, and, and we're adding COVID relief to third world countries and like the Apostle Paul, we're planting churches and, and, and we're, we're with equipment and transforming communities and countries, which tens of thousands of people have already come to Christ over the last year in that effort. And listen, in the last 12 months alone, some 10,000 people have come to faith. And I don't, I hesitated, but I'm not going to. I, 
We don't talk numbers. We don't talk about this. We don't brag on, our, uh, on ourselves. I want to brag on you. Just in this last couple of months, 10 weeks of summer, all of that, you've not only been serving, but you have given $416,000 in the last 10 weeks to those movements and organizations in compassion. You don't just take pictures, post them, and talk compassion. You actually put your heart, your hand, and your wallet in it that God might make a difference in the lives of people. Church, that is awesome. God is building his church, and the kingdom is going forward. And if that's not enough for you, if that's not enough, what you really hope is this stuff gets personal right here at home. What you really long for, as Paul said, is to the advance the gospel right into the core of our family. It's why we partner and do ministry to children and, and ministry for middle school and high school so that they come to faith, so that they know Jesus. And listen, it's profound when God takes a life that gets messed up goes the wrong way and transforms them and turn them or turns them around. Prodigal sons and daughters is beautiful. Praise God. He's doing it all the time. But it is equally profound when God captures someone young and they never mess up their life because they say yes to Jesus early and they walk with him all through life. And that is equally the prayer of every parent, isn't it? Isn't it that we would have that? So guess what? Guess what? You don't have to Paul. Yeah. Guess what? On Wednesday, since this is all fresh and new, I went to my son Jade in number four and I said, well, we're talking of you being baptized before you go to college. I changed Sunday. How about we do this during the teaching? And he's introvertish and said, I would love to. No, he didn't say, I would love to. <laughs> like, seriously? And I'm, yeah, you go pray about it. You think about it, which is parenting guilt, by the way. Spiritual guilting. No, it's bigger than that. He's his own man. He has a reason for his decisions. That's profound. And my prayer for my son is my prayer for your sons and daughters, that they would come to know Christ. And so why not celebrate one more baptism? So Jaden, jump on up. Hop in the tub. My son. And I, asked, I encouraged him to write uh, his own testimony, and uh, he did. And so I'm going to give him opportunity to read it. I'll hold the mic for you. Uh, Share your testimony. Yeah, here's a summary of my faith and testimony. I believe my own sin separates me from my heavenly father and that Jesus came to die to pay my sin debt, that he rose again three days later, and through his sacrifice, I can be forgiven and reunited with God. The Holy Spirit drew me to himself, and I made the decision to follow Jesus when I was eight years old on December 24th of 2011. I wanted to wait until I turned 18 to make baptism my first adult decision. This is an act of obedience for me. I'm choosing to follow the truth of Jesus instead of this world's philosophies because it requires a lesser leap of faith than what the world requires, because my parents have modeled a Christian lifestyle and I've seen all the good that's come from it, and because I've personally experienced an unexplainable spiritual connection with God through prayer. I give thanks to God for anything good in my life because every good thing comes from him. I trust Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins and commit to follow him all the days of my life. Come on. One of the best days any father can ever have. And we long for this for all our kids. God, may this be true for all our kids. Well, my son, since you declared that you trust Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, commit to follow him all the days of your life. I'm not good at this. <clears throat> I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
Now, church, when Paul wrote that all this imprisoning and resetting of my agendas in life has taken me to the palace in prison, I want you to know it's been for the advancement of the gospel. What else matters, honestly? And when, and when we baptize someone and they sign their name, you see these? You know how all these names got here? Because you invited, because you what? Invited. Couldn't hear you because you what? Invited. These are people you invited to come and to experience the truth of Jesus and then to say yes to Jesus and then to get spiritually transformed and then to live their life for the God who loves them because they were created by him and for him and there is nothing better in life. Hey, maybe we need to get back to inviting people. Next week, who are you going to invite, right? Great question. Glad I asked it. Here we go. Number, isn't this fun? Oh my goodness, this is so fun. That is so enjoyable. It is so profound. Maybe right now. Yeah, you know, I just sensed it. Let me just, can we, let me stop. Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, there are some parents right now for whom that moment of baptism actually has a weight and a burden. Their kids are prodigal. They want their kids in that baptism. You lift their name before the Lord right now. Holy Spirit, would you work on the hearts and the lives of those who are far from you, whatever age and stage. And if your parents right now and your kids have come to faith, oh God, set up their baptism that they may seal their walk with you. And if your children are young or have yet to say yes to Jesus, you pray a prayer of spiritual blessing and covering right now. Just whisper it, oh God, over the life of my child, my children, whatever you've entrusted to me, oh God, I pray that they would come to know you early, walk with you fully. Precious God, you've entrusted to us as a church the privilege of bringing the gospel and advancing it. And it's more than just to the people in the community around us. It's to the very children we're privileged to serve. Oh God, in this next season, all the more pour out your spirit and raise up a generation dedicated to you. And may you transform this country and this world through that generation. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen. Now I think I can move on. Number three, get back to getting along and getting together. Now, the last few here, I'm just going to kind of popcorn, say them fast, hit them hard, and you keep up and let God settle this in your soul. But I, I, we're going right back to Philippians. This, this has been sitting in my heart. You say, oh, what do you, what do you think uh, you know, God's calling us back to? Well, look at Philippians chapter 127 or listen into it. Whatever happens, Paul says, whatever happens, Paul says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Hey, listen, whatever happens, even if you're in COVID, even if there's political unrest, even if you feel imprisoned by the circumstances and culture around you, even if your plans have fallen apart, even if you have differences of opinions, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. There should be quiet amens all over. Oh yeah, that's right. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the name of Christ that we carry. And then he talks about opposition at the end of this chapter. He's talking about opposition from without. But you know what? A lot of times opposition from within is the problem. Flip over a page. Page 1181, chapter 4. 
Verse 2. I plead with Judea and I plead with Syntyche. Actually, it's Syntyche. Those are unusual names to us, but Yodia and Syntyche. Hang on. These are two people at the church in Philippi who are not getting along. And he named them. Can you imagine me standing up here on stage? All right, here we go. I'm going to start naming people. Y'all aren't getting along. Y'all help each other. This is ridiculous. We got, we got, we got to get back to getting along. Isn't that, I mean, Paul never names the people who aren't getting along, but they all know. We don't even know what the problem was, but they all knew. And, he, and then he goes on and he says, now look, I need my comrade to help bring this together. They, they, they've been alongside me in the kingdom. They've served. They're beautiful people. We got to get along. And I plead with you. Listen. To be of the same mind in the Lord. So so hang on. You need need to rise up to what you agree with, not keep descending to what you disagree with. You gotta quit talking all the time about where you, yeah, you can go ahead, because a whole bunch of us should be, yeah. This, this, This descending and spending all your energy on where you disagree is undoing the momentum and the mission of the kingdom and the witness of Christ for the love of God. Push yourself up to the things where you agree. Now, don't tell me, well, what about biblical issues? He says in the Lord, if it were a biblical issue and if it were a matter of sin, he would have already addressed it. Every opinion you have politically is not a biblical issue. It's just not. But where it's a biblical issue, we stand together. But where it's not essential, we recognize there's differences of opinion. But in the kingdom of God, we rise up and we are one in Christ. And we don't spend all our time on where we disagree. We spend the majority of time on where we agree. And he pleads with them for the love of God, because of God, because you both serve Jesus. And Jesus isn't divided. Would you get along? Isn't that good? I'm like, wow, Peter or Paul, you're so practical. I mean, this, this is so helpful to us. And listen, we're coming out of seasons where this stuff has affected us everywhere. And he's saying, I plead with you. Church, I plead with you. Man, get along. But spend the majority of your energy on what you agree with. And I know it's taken a toll. I know there's hurt. People have said, I've hurt them because I didn't do what they expected. I didn't say it the way they want it said. I've been hurt. I don't share that, but it, there's hurt in relationship. There's anger. Hey, this has happened in marriages over COVID and things breaking down in your family. There are friendships that are strained. There are Parent-child relationships, even among adults, adult children, this stuff gets strained. There's a sense of aloneness. There's sadness. You know what we're going after in the next series? How do you build great relationships? The next four weeks, starting next Sunday. That's why you want to invite people. How do you build great relationships? And you can't, listen, let me, you can't build great relationships. You can't build great relationships unless you learn how Christ taught us to handle things like 
hurt. In fact, we all got backpacks, right? I mean, we're sending our kids to school. They get their backpack. But you know what? Over COVID, a, a whole bunch of us just, we got this stuff in our backpack that has happened as a result of COVID. And we've got hurt. And let me see if that'll sit up. We got hurt. We got angry. We got alone. We got loneliness. And, and, and we got sadness. And we don't think about it. In fact, we may say, oh, I'm not an emotional person. Everybody is. Relationships are emotional. These are spiritual matters, and the power of God and the insight of Christ will teach us how to be emotionally whole, which defines relationship. You can't build great relationships unless you learn how to navigate hurt. And then we take things like hurt, and we stuff them in the backpack, and over COVID, we're just trying to survive, and, and, and it's just packed away, and it leaks into our relationships, and it's a burden, and we don't know how to handle it. So listen, over the next four weeks, we're going to unpack all of that. We're going to unpack the backpack, and we're going to talk about how do you handle hurt? How do you handle anger? How do you take what sits in your backpack and put some supernatural wisdom of God in play? That is the reason you want to invite people. All right. Number four, get back to big faith praying. Get back to big faith Praying. I think the next thing Paul would say, get back to big faith praying, and here's why. If you were in chapter 4 and go right back to where we left off, here's what he says in verse 4 to 8, and God's been stirring some of this stuff around the 4 to 7, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is where? See, he's right here in the present. Get back to the present. The Lord's near. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, you have, he says that because they are. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, by what? Prayer. By what? Prayer. By what? Prayer. Prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Team asked me, what has God been doing in you lately? I'm going to do this really brief. Really not even comfortable saying, but... Everybody has their own places where they feel imprisoned. And you know what major surgery is and minor surgery, right? Major surgery is when I'm having surgery. Minor surgery is when it's yours. That's, that's how you know the difference. In other words, what's major is what's happening to you. What's minor is what's happening to somebody else. So what I'm about to say is going to hit you like a two, but it's in me like a 10. Does that make sense? You get that? So I have battled with insomnia uh, for years, and it's just grown worse. That means try to go to bed 11 o'clock at night, fall asleep 3 or 4, 5 a.m., get up two or three hours later, do the day. This has been a constant for too long, and I, I, and I pray about it, but, and I just hold it quiet. I never have conversations with you about it. Just like, oh, this is exhausting. What a horrible way to live. Why? And I don't send me letters for help. I, you know, it's like, here's my solution. I, I get, I know you'd be sincere, but what I'm just telling you is it's just, that's a level 10 for me. And over a couple of months ago, I had a, just another prayer time and it's all over my journal. God, why wouldn't you just personally do something kind and fix that? <laughs> and I had a moment with God where the Holy Spirit stepped in and just descended. I mean, I was crushed in his presence and, and I wrote in my journal, God just said, I'm going to turn the tide. I'm going to turn the tide. That night was the first night I slept. When I went to bed, seven hours. And every night since. 
first time in years. There is no explanation. Now, for me, God intervened, and I would call it a miracle for me, but I know it sounds like no big deal to you. Here's what I'm saying. You have your place of imprisonment. We got to get to big faith prayer, and you see and experience the move of God in you, and then you have big faith prayer for others. And the church is supposed to be the big faith prayer people that see the hand of God move on one another and then out into a territory, and we need to pray that way. Listen, we're going to go into seven days of prayer in this season as we come back from school, and we knew it, and Jason and I and others were talking, and we said we knew seven days of prayer, but I got a, 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 a moment with God that, son, I, again, I, I try and say these things brief because I don't know how to make sense of them all, but I felt like the Spirit of God said, I don't want seven days, I want seven nights, and I wrote in my journal, I said, ah, oh, that won't work. You ever have to explain things to God because he's not always up with the culture and the times. And I'm like, people will make, they won't show up at night. They'll feel like, oh, is this a revival? No, it's a prayer thing. And, and God, I don't know if it'll work. And then I literally, I just, I began just timing the, with the Lord in prayer. And I felt like the Holy Spirit told me what to do on all seven nights almost. I mean, it was like detailed. And, and then I was going to bring it to and say, Jason, I think we should shift this. And Honestly, I felt spiritually insecure. I know it doesn't make sense. I know you're disappointed. Like, I'm going to go find another church. I get it. I would too. I, like, you don't have the courage to go address that. And to, no, because the moment I do, everybody's going to say, okay, we'll do it. I don't know if God's in. And then if God doesn't show him, do it. He said, well, I can't trust him. I, you get all this weird. Anybody ever feel like you had a godly but didn't have the courage to do anything with it? Come on. The rest of you write a book. I don't know what you're doing. I just... So I texted Jason. I said, hey, we got to talk. And then I never did. I'll just own it. I never did. And then I came back after break mid-July and just the 17th of July. And Jason grabbed me in the back before we walked up. He said, hey, I just got to tell you something. God's been moving amongst the team. We've had God leads. And I made a decision. I hope it's okay, but you can change it if you want. We think the Holy Spirit told us to move it from seven days of prayer in the morning to seven nights of prayer. And my mouth just dropped. I'm like, I'm, I'm a, such a good leader. I held it so that the spirit could tell them and then they would know. And then that way God would be in it. Listen, let me church from September 12th to the 18th. We're having seven nights of prayer. We're not selling it. I think the Holy spirit is selling it. He wants to move. God's going to change how we pray hands on with one another and hands up for the kingdom. And it's going to be revolutionary. I think God's going to reset prayer. They got lost from pre-COVID to what God wants to do next. I can't wait. See, Paul would say, get in on big faith praying. Here's the last thing. And then we'll just wrap it up. Get back to good God thinking. Look at verse eight. When you get all done with this, Paul says to us, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, whatever is admirable, excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. I'm not going to teach it. We're done. Here's what I want you to know. Put this on the screen, guys. Whatever dominates your thoughts defines your life. If you're sitting in negative, critical echo chambers of TikTok online, and all you do is talk to the people who believe what you believe in order to reinforce, in order to live in negative, critical thinking, that is going to define your life. Let's do better. The kingdom of God is being built by his spirit and moving forward. We are on mission. Let's figure out what do we need to get back to. In fact, a better question is this. Ask God, Lord Jesus, what do you want me to get back to? 
So I'm going to turn the service over to the campus pastors. They're going to pray over you. And maybe in this moment, you ask God, what do you need me to do? Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.